0: Hey everyone before we start i wanted to let you know if you would like to watch our whole service head to our website that's dc2.me and from the media drop down click sermons you can watch our whole service there and now here's this week's sermon it's a new sermon series you guys get ready to rock and roll this is going to be awesome you cannot start out slow when you're jumping into a book of the Bible you're going to be in for like months on end. This is, this is really, really fun. And we're having a lot of fun around here getting into this. I'm glad you're here today. Uh, my name is Zach Krieger. I'm on staff, one of the pastors here at Discovery. And if you're new to Discovery... We have been in a couple different sermon series this year. This last one we ended at Easter last week, and now until the end of November, we're going to be in the book of Matthew doing a deep dive, trying to understand what is this book and what's it about? And as I was preparing this week, it it just seemed like there was no better frame of mind to get into than the frame of mind that you watch Star Wars with, because... As, you, as you're in that universe, you're bumping into these people that, man, there's spirituality going on. There's, there's like war that's happening. There's corruption, there's politics. And, there, and people are just different. Like every, every character you encounter, there's something radically different about them. This is the world that Matthew grew up in. This is the world that he met Jesus in. This is the world that he's writing to. It's a really fractured world. It's a world where even the people who would seemingly have the same religion or beliefs as you, that can be exhibited in so many different ways. It's a world where the politics are so divided and so violent. And and as you start to hear about the world of Matthew, hopefully there's some antenna in you that are going, that that actually sounds a lot like today. Um, A pretty divided world, a world where people who would seemingly have your same beliefs that can be exhibited in a lot of different ways and not always good. And right into the fray of this world is where we meet Matthew, this character, um, one of them. And Matthew, I think, if he's doing the job that he wants to do is going, don't look at me. Look at the one that I write about. He's amazing. We're gonna get to hear a little bit of Matthew's story, but Matthew is the one penning this book of the Bible. He doesn't even introduce himself as a character till chapter nine. He, he's so clearly going, look at, look at Jesus. Just look at Jesus. I want to tell you about Jesus. Have I told you about Jesus? You need to know this about Jesus. It's, it's so incredible how and why he's writing this book. And today, we're not going to be diving in a ton into the text, but as we go through this book, we're going to be going through the book slowly, one bite at a time. And my hope is that by the time we get to November, if you've never read a book of the Bible or studied a book of the Bible, I hope that by November... This is one of those texts that you just go, I I get it. I understand this book. I understand the story, but I understand what's under the story. I'm in it. Um, And to do that, we're not getting into the text as much today, but we are setting the table for everything else that we're going to be doing. So if you're here, man, you made it to a great Sunday because I'm going to be painting for you the backdrop to the stage where the drama will happen for the next several months. So there are some things, um, especially for about the first half of my time with you this morning that are going to feel like a lot of information and a lot of data. I promise you, all of these things are going to tie together. So make sure that you're, you're grabbing on to some of this. But this story takes place in the Middle East, um, in the area of Israel. And if you don't know this area very well, you can even just read current events today and it gives you a pretty good snapshot of what life is typically like in the area of Israel War-torn, um, there's occupation happening all the time by all sorts of different groups of people, politically and, and, and religiously, incredibly diverse. Uh, at this particular time when Matthew's writing, right before this, kind the Roman Empire had just been taking over everything. In this particular part of the world, they'd split between three different guys and they were each sons of Herod. And so what you'll see in a minute is I'll show you a map where um, each one of them had kind of a chunk of land that was theirs to govern. Super corrupt, super messed up. They, they lived, Herod the Great was said to be one of the wealthiest people to have ever lived, mainly because he just of extortion, and he stole, and it was, uh, it was terrible. But it, it's in that world that I think, if I can show you on the map, here's where we're looking at. So whole Mediterranean. We've got Israel. So give me that next picture way over here on the right side. So this is Jerusalem. This is Israel. This is the whole country. Now, one of the things you need to know as we're jumping into the book of Matthew is 80% of the book of Matthew, the stories that are told, is told in one specific square of this map. Give me that next picture. Yeah, that's the Sea of Galilee. 80% of the stories are going to happen around the Sea of Galilee. Give me that next one here. So here's Galilee blown up. Uh, As far as you're concerned, you're like, I don't really know how to quantify that. It's called a sea. Is that enormous? I'm a Colorado kid. You say sea, and I assume it's it's huge. Give me the map of our area. So here's discovery right here at the top, big red dot. Uh, You've got uh, 36 coming down, 76 going up the other way, 25 right up the middle. Got it? Oriented? If you don't have glasses... Just go with it, you'll be fine. If we take the Sea of Galilee and just by, um, just by metrics, how big would this be? This is what it would look like. The Sea of Galilee roughly goes from 470, give me that next slide, 470 down to where 76 and 25 meet and from Sheridan to Colorado. So hopefully for you, you go, that's a really big lake. I don't know, I'd call it a sea, but that's a really big lake. It's the lowest freshwater lake on the planet, second lowest lake in the world. Um, 13 by eight. So you can walk around it in not very much time. I mean, if you think, in a a solid day's walk, if you took two days, you could easily get around it in two days. And 80% of the stories that are coming out of Matthew happen here, 80%. So right away, I want you to see that the people that Jesus and Matthew are gonna be bumping into, they're seeing similar faces a lot of places that they go. I mean, just like it would be today, we're, we're a pretty suburban, there's a lot of human beings living in this geography for us, but it's significantly less. You gotta remember there's a lake in the middle of theirs. So you've got people living around it. It's a highly relational story, if all of that's going on there. Um, give me that next map there. Um, this is what it looked like. This is what it looks like today, gorgeous. This is a holiday resort area still today for people around the Mediterranean. Just incredible. 80% of the story happened right here. And then give me that next one. So this is where, um, this is where we can start to, to quantify and understand some, of the, some more of the backdrop that's going on. Uh, you can see up at the top, right kind of where it goes from Galilee into that yellow upper right corner. That's where two of the Herod's dividing lines were. So if you crossed from one of those parts of the country to the other, you would have to pay a toll or a tax and you'd have to have a taxpayer that would be sitting at that booth. Um, but it's really important, you, and you saw it in our crawler this morning on the screen, that if we just even look at just the Jews, just the Hebrews that were hanging out at this time, fractioned into five groups at least. And so here's, here's generally where they all lived. Give me this first one. We have the Essenes. This was a group of folks, and their whole philosophy was leave the man. Roman, Rome has taken over the world. We're out of here. We're going to go set up shop in the hills. We're going to write down books. We're going to hide them in jars for people to find years later and make big museums about. But that was their whole thing. We're leaving. We want nothing to do with this. Then we've got a group of people called the Zealots. And the Zealots were awesome and terrifying. Their whole thought was we're fighting. We don't like these guys, we're gonna fight them off. Right before Jesus rolls up on scene, there's a, a guy who's a zealot, his name's Judy, uh, Judas Maccabees, um, and his whole thing, Judas the Hammer is, is what his name ended up being in history, and he fought the Romans. Uh, and there, The war, the final war that they fought was commemorated in a holiday that we still have today called Hanukkah. Um, but there would be guys um, like Judas that people would say, I think he's the Messiah. Like he's winning against Rome. He's fighting against Rome. That's what we expect. And when Jesus rolls up on scene, I mean, Messiahs are a dime a dozen. People are expecting the Messiah to be around, and they're pointing out and naming, and people are claiming to be the Messiah. Jesus doesn't roll up and say, I'm, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Savior of the world. And people go, wow, we've never heard this before. It's like, yeah, great, get in line. Like, we've, we've had seven this week. Um, so that's, that's the zealots. They, they just love to fight. The next group of folks is the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees kind of get around everywhere. Um, they're not gonna be just in this area, but this upper part of the Sea of Galilee is where they like to hang out the most. And this was a group of people that were super sharp, because their whole thing was we don't feel like God's called us to separate from the world around us, we don't think God's called us to fight from the world around us, but we also don't think God wants us to be like the world around us. So we're gonna live as Jewish as possible. Like we're we're building a wall culturally around ourselves and we will poke our spears out the walls and this is who we are, don't mess with us. But they would live in town and they would walk with people. They, They were in the midst of it all, but they were very Jewish. So much so that if you've spent much time in the Bible hearing about this group of people called the Pharisees, their lists of rules were extensive and nauseating. (laughs) Because, because, and I hope you have some compassion for these folks as we read about them more and more over the next couple months. It was because they, they were faithful to God. They were trying so hard to not be corrupted by the world around them. There was good motivation going on in these folks, and a lot of them hung out on the north side of the lake. The next group of people are the Herodians. Um, this, I, I, I think I would say I'm probably in this camp. If I go back in time, where is Zach living? I'm probably on, uh, on this side. The Herodians were a group of Jews, and their whole thing was like, we can adapt some things from Rome. The um, Rome brought the theater. Rome brought education, Rome brought a library. Yeah, we'll go check those out, sure, why not? And functionally in my life today, I live like a Herodian. I'm an American, I I go to the movie theater. My kids are a part of public education. There's pieces of the greater culture around that I've adapted and adopted into how I live my life. That's these Herodians, They, they got their name Herod, the Herods who were taking over were these Jewish people who had kind of gotten in bed with Rome. They'd adapted and adopted to all of these different things going on in Rome, and so then these people who started to live a similar way, they said, you know what we're gonna call you? Herodians. And then there's a final group of people. This group of people is dark and dirty. They're the Sadducees. And a lot of times, um, you can read, if you're reading in Matthew, a lot of times the Pharisees and Sadducees will pop up together. There's a really good reason why Matthew just doesn't say, uh, it's the religious leaders. Very clearly and specifically, Matthew is saying, we've got Pharisees showing up in this story and Sadducees. And anybody who understands Sadducees is like, we've got Sadducees on scene. These, they are like the Sith. I mean, these, these are Jewish people who, because of a heritage, because of their family line, technically they get to run the temple. Technically they get to run the church. But man, they're the most corrupt group of people you can imagine. It's really clear, looking back into their history, there's a lot in them that they go, we don't really care that much about religion. We we care a lot about money and control and power. We're gonna work a lot with Rome if they're the ones who are controlling things right now to make sure that we get a good chunk of the pie on this thing. Jesus spends, I mean, of his three years of ministry, about two and three quarters years hanging out mostly with the Pharisees. He gets about two weeks with the Sadducees, and he's dead. So, If that paints a picture for you of how corrupt this group of religious leaders are, there you go. So this is a little bit of the setting of what's going on. Can you get into the headspace of this world? This is just just the Jewish people. I mean, we got a whole bunch of pagans hanging out in the Decapolis area at the bottom right corner of the map. We've got the Roman Empire, which at this point, they're, they're kind of leaving their old um, pantheon system of religion, and they're, they're just sprawling all over. You've got Roman guards walking through the streets. You've got divided Jewish people. I mean, this is a wild time to be alive. Not to mention the fact that when you look at that world map again, that Mediterranean area, Israel is right in the middle of the action. They stand at the crossroads of the earth. Trade routes all come right through this area. So anybody that we've met in Asia, anybody that we've met in Spain, anybody that we've met in Morocco, everybody is converging on Israel. That's the world that Jesus comes into. And again, I I just hope there's something in you that goes, man, that just sounds really familiar to me. A really diverse world It feels like it's just on the brink of exploding all the time. People are divided and Yeah, I get it. And then we get to meet a writer. And man, this is so cool. Matthew, he's he's a Jewish kid. And just like most Jewish kids, I think it's pretty safe to assume he would have grown up like a Jewish kid, which meant you go to Jewish school, which means you have most of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible memorized by the time you're about 13. Memorized. Like, he really knows his text. This is a good student. That was typical for kids of his age. He knew that he was a part of this chosen people of God. He had a high calling in the world. But at some point, he fell off the wagon. At some point for him, it, it just, he, he gave up. <laughs> it wasn't worth trying anymore. I don't know if he got bullied. I don't know if maybe he just didn't get great grades, I don't know what the deal was, but at some point for Matthew, he just threw up his hands and went, I'll I'll sell out, I'll go work for the man. He would have spent as a tax collector in between, and if if you would look at that map, Capernaum sits right on the border of two Herodian controlled territories. So it's likely that Matthew's tax booth was, um, Herod would call himself the king of the Jews, that Matthew would say, well, my job is working for the king of the Jews. Let that sink in for a second. That's pretty cool. But that he would, um, he would run the tax booth between two kingdoms. That's pretty cool. And, and that the way that he would have lived his life, I mean, people, Jewish people would have passed him on the street and literally turned their head and spit to the side. That's how much of an outcast that he was. There would have been a sense of like, you can't be with us. You can't touch my hand. You can't show up at church because you have been with filth all day and therefore you have become filth that's what he wakes up to every day if you've seen the show the chosen you've seen little glimpses of this and i think they've painted matthew beautifully in this series but you can just see he's got all this wealth i mean tax collectors were the worst they would there would be a charge that they would have to give to rome at the booth but they would upcharge it three four fifteen times and just pocket the rest So you've got this wealthy young kid. He's got everything in the world that he could ask for, that he can buy, and he's hated. I think it's everybody's worst nightmare to have everything you want except for community and relationship and love. Oh, every day he wakes up to that. And it's not just his own people that would have seen him this way, that these, these Roman soldiers would have also seen him as like, you're just scum, like you work for us, but like, man, get out of here as fast as you can. We don't want you around, like you're like a rat. We want nothing to do with you. There was a prayer that the Jews had at that time, and there would be a list of people or people groups that would say, thank God I'm not like this. And one of the things that was a common prayer at the time that you would just say is, thank God I'm not like a tax collector. Low, low, down the rung. So, he's working at this tax booth in Capernaum. Um, and this rabbi comes through. Now, when, when a rabbi says, come follow me or come be with me, this was a big deal. Because after you turned 13, it was time then for your family to choose what rabbi you would follow. And you would usually go to the rabbi. They would kind of have a shop set up. And your whole life then was dedicated to becoming exactly like your rabbi. What they taught, how they taught it, where they did it, who they did it with, everything about your rabbi, that's who you become like. Matthew missed that train a long time ago. And, and when a rabbi, when you get to be a part of a, a, a school with a rabbi, it meant that you were up and up. It meant that you got to be a part of the religious elite at the time. You were an insider. And so when this rabbi comes walking through Capernaum and he spots Matthew sitting at his tax collector booth, worlds are converging. And when Matthew finds out this rabbi actually exists between two kingdoms, an earthly kingdom, and then he keeps talking about this kingdom of heaven. And, and then when he finds out he's, he's the king of the Jews, I, I'm sure there were just so many things in Matthew that he's like, this is really weird. And this is how the story goes. Let me introduce you to Matthew in Matthew chapter nine. And it says this, uh, we know that Jesus is in Capernaum during this, and it says as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and he followed him. Persuasive guy. (laughs) As he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Okay, pause. What's going on? Jesus says, come follow me. But he, I, I think if you're like paying attention to the story, Jesus says, come follow me. And Matthew just stands up and gets behind him and he starts walking. And Matthew's watching the streets they're walking on. All of a sudden, he's like, Jesus, are we going to my house? And Jesus just turns back and he's like, yeah, we're going to go to your house. He's like, what? For what? He goes, we're going to have dinner tonight. Let's have a party. Why don't you bring all your friends? Now, with everything we just talked about, about tax collectors, they don't really get to have Friends which is probably overstating it. I mean, they do get to have friends, but they get to have friends with everybody who's just like them, the outcast, the scum, the lowest of society. So, so when Jesus looks over his shoulder and says, yeah, let's throw a party at your house, invite all your friends, right away Matthew goes, well, I've got my guest list. It's the gamblers, it's, uh, it's the gang lords, it's the prostitutes, uh, it's the drug dealers. That, those, are the, those are the only folks that will hang out with me. Oh, and then all the other tax collectors. It's, it's, this, it's this motley group of people because that's who he hangs out with. And I don't know who invites the Pharisees because it sure as heck ain't Matthew. <laughs> they wouldn't have shown up if the invitation says, come to my house, love Matthew. No way. Is it Jesus? Is it Peter or John? It's gotta be one of the typical rabbi followers it's the only reason why they'd show up. I'm sure they were walking through the streets going, this cannot be right. And as they knock on Matthew's door, they go, I don't, we're gonna all have to take baths after this dinner. This is not good. And then they walk in and they hear the music and they see the dancing and, and it's a full on Middle Eastern party with some people. And I'm sure there was just a sense right away of like, oh, <laughs> we'll stay if Jesus is here, but as soon as he leaves, we're out. That's, that's the scene. And at one point, and and it's so crazy and funny to me that they don't ask Jesus, they turn to his disciples and go, why is he doing this? Like it, it was so shameful that they couldn't even bring themselves to ask Jesus the question directly. They had to ask it kind of in hushed tones behind closed doors. What's his game plan? Why are we with these people? And Jesus, I just love it. Jesus totally overhears them. And I don't know if he's using like his God vision right now of like, hey, I can hear everything. Or if, he, like, if they're actually loud enough. Maybe the music's bumping so loud they have to scream it. I don't know. But it says this. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, Jesus, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come to call not the righteous, but the sinners. And I'm sure for the Pharisees in the room, it was this moment where either they got super mad or or they were just totally paralyzed. I am the righteous. You haven't come for me, but you've come for these other people. Oh, you're with them. And Jesus, I think, smiling back in the midst of the party, in the midst of the dancing, in the midst of the music, passing a plate of salad to the gambler sitting next to him, smiles and nods. This is our author. This is who ends up writing this entire text that we're gonna be in for months. I want you to know him and keep him in mind. Because for Matthew, who he hangs out with is incredibly important, both before Matthew chapter nine and after. It's not surprising that when this particular rabbi throws a party, it was a practical expression of how this particular rabbi saw life as a whole. It was a party to which everyone was invited, no matter who they were, no matter what they'd done, no matter what had been done to them, they had a seat at the table. You think you're righteous, part of the religious elite? Please come to my party. Are you the most washed out, worthless feeling, hard out person? Come to my party, sit at the table, be with me. I want to be with you. And Matthew who for sure would have been considering himself on the lowest rung of the ladder. I'm sure as he's writing now in chapter nine, I've got to just think he's bursting into tears with joy of going, I just love this story. And I've got to make sure that people know this story. I'm gonna bring out the band as I land the plane for us. But my wife and I got to go um, to the Banksy art exhibit that's down in Denver this weekend. It was a total blast. And if you're familiar with Banksy, Banksy's a British graffiti artist, started back in the mid 90s. Don't agree with everything that he's about, but his art is incredible. And there was this quote in the hallways as we were walking through this quote of his. And it said this, art should comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. And if you've ever seen any of Banksy's artwork, you kind of smile and nod and go, he's really good at that. But especially preparing for this morning, it just, it hit me so beautifully of, I think Matthew felt the same about the artist that he knew. And I think he would say it this way um, if he could. My book about Jesus should comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. If you want to know this book, if you're in for the ride, know that this should unsettle you. This should unsettle you like artwork that makes you look at capitalism and consumerism and then reflect on yourself and go, ah, I just don't know. It's, this is a book that will make you look at your spiritual life and go, am I an insider? Am I righteous? Because this book is making me think maybe I've got it all backwards. This whole kingdom that Jesus talks about, it's, it's all upside down and wackadoo. Do I know it? Do I live it? And who sits at my table? Do I reflect my rabbi? Is everything about how I look at Jesus and follow him? Does everything come through me the same? Is everybody invited at my table? The religious elite and the outcast? It's this beautiful invitation from this book and every story that Matthew's gonna tell, oh my goodness, this is the filter to see it through. This is your author. We're gonna sit with him for months. We're gonna get to know him well, but man, we're gonna get to see how he follows his rabbi and the story that he wants you to see of this Jesus. Because for him, he goes, man, I'm not even gonna show up until chapter nine because it's so important for me to see him. Do you see this Jesus who I love? Do you see this Jesus whose table I get to sit at? Do you see this Jesus whose table you get to sit at? Come sit at the table. If you're new to this journey of spirituality, if you're new into scripture, this is a beautiful place to begin. Dive deep with us as we go. And I promise you, you're gonna see a rabbi, you're gonna see a Jesus that you go, I I am either disturbed or comforted, probably both. And the whole time he will be drawing you ever closer saying you're invited to more, you're invited to more. We're gonna take some time to stand and sing about this one who claims to be so good and who I would dare say if a tax collector can come to say, I got, I got some good news to share. It's worth us singing about too. You can stand if you're able, let's sing.